My name is Isabel Clausen, the host of the Girl God's Got You podcast. This podcast was created to remind women that girl, God's got you, and he wants to help you live the life you were created to live. Have you ever struggled with believing in yourself, having fear about navigating your future, understanding your life purpose, or managing overwhelming stress? Well, if you've gone through any of these experiences, then this podcast is for you. And I want to encourage you that no matter what you go through, no matter what you think of yourself, no matter how much someone hurts you, no matter what level of self-confidence you have, no matter how much fear you have about the future, God is here for you no matter what. Girl, God's got you, and he always will. I hope you enjoy today's episode. This episode today is one that is really close to my heart because I'm going to be talking all about the three main reasons I choose to believe in God, even in a world where people constantly think that Christians are weird, that God's not real, that the world is so corrupt, how could there be a God watching over us? It is sometimes hard to convince ourselves to believe in God, especially in the world that we live in today. But I want to share some interesting statistics that I found about the recent, uh, church and Christianity rates among younger generations, as well as the statistics about mental illness, depression, anxiety among young adults. And then I want to share my own experiences and share that after everything I've been through in life and all the different experiences I've had, the reasons I still choose to believe in God to this day. So before we begin, I just want to say that girl, God's got you, whether you're struggling with your faith or maybe you know someone who's struggling with their faith and you want to kind of understand why or you want to understand how you could connect to them and convince them that yes, believing in God is so much better than not believing in God. Or maybe you're going through a time where you're mad at God, you don't want to talk to him, maybe you don't really understand him, maybe you think the whole Christianity thing is weird. Whatever it is, God's got you and he will always pursue you. And even if you're not ready to accept him, God understands this and he gave you the power of free will to either choose him or not. But regardless of that, he is always here for you. The second that you want to come reach him and learn more about him and get to know him, he is always ready. And he knows that it's your choice and he wants it to be your choice. And if you feel that God maybe is mad at you or maybe doesn't want a relationship with you, I just want to say that he, of course, wants a relationship with you. Don't ever second guess that. That's the reason he sent his son, Jesus, to the earth to spread love and kindness to the world and then also so that Jesus could die on the cross so that we could all end up going to heaven one day. I mean, God is so crazy about you that he sent his son down a cross. That's how much he wants to get to know you and that's how much he loves you. So I just want to share all that before we start because I think it's easy for us, especially as girls, to think, oh, I did this, I did that. Oh my gosh, I messed up. I don't know if God will love me anymore. And yes, I know guys go through this too, but I think that girls kind of have a, a really big struggle with perfectionism and not knowing if we meet the mark and if God will still love us even when we mess up. So now I want to go into some statistics I found about the different percentage rates changing of the Christian population within America. 
So LifeWayResearch.com shared that two-thirds of young adults leave the church for about a year between the ages of 18 to 22. And out of those two-thirds that leave, 96% of them do so because of a recent change in their life. And this website stated, What the research tells us may be even more concerning for Protestant churches. There was nothing about the church experience or faith foundation of those teenagers that caused them to seek out a connection to a local church once they entered a new phase of life. The time they spent with activity in church was simply replaced by something else. And I think this is really interesting because I think a lot of people just would say, oh yeah, church, you know, it's nice, but it's kind of boring. I think a lot of times um, when we go to church and we think it's boring or maybe we are not that interested, we kind of forget the reason uh, why church is even a thing. And the reason why church was even created in the first place was so that a lot of people, a community of people who loved God could worship him, him together and learn about him and glorify him. And I think a lot of times we go to church because we want to gain, but it should really be about what can we give to God and what can we learn about Him to bring Him more glory. And I think a lot of times, especially with young adults, we just kind of miss that mark because young adults and you know teenagers were selfish because we're not fully mature yet and obviously adults are selfish too but I think teenagers especially in this day and age where um, everyone's just super self-centered if we're not gaining anything we consider it kind of boring and so I thought this quote from this website was interesting because it says that there was nothing about the church experience or faith foundation of those teenagers that caused them to seek out a connection to a local church so there wasn't really anything that caught the Uh, young adults eye there wasn't anything that they were really gaining and I think that's actually really sad because some churches I think also miss the mark on what church is all about and they can be kind of boring and they don't really bring people close to God but that's not always the case a lot of people who go to church also I don't think have the right mindset so I thought this statistic was kind of interesting um And out of all those that left, 96% of the young adults did so because of a recent change in their life. It wasn't necessarily just because of political views or they changed their perception about Christianity. A lot of it was because something happened in their life and church wasn't the first thing they turned to. Or in other words, the community of believers wasn't the first thing they turned to because they didn't necessarily gain much from it at all. And so another statistic I want to talk about that shares kind of a different perspective on this idea of the statistics of Christianity in America, uh, it was from a telephone survey that was ran in 2019 and 2018. And it talked about how in 2009, 77% of adults would say that they were Christian if asked what religion they were. And then when Pew Research Center ran this telephone survey again in 2019, which was about a decade later, the statistic dropped to 12% or no, sorry, the statistic dropped by 12%, and only 65% of adults said they were Christian. So 10 years ago, 77% of people, when asked their religion, would say, yeah, I'm Christian. Now it's 65%. I think 65% is still a lot. However, the number of people who said they were atheist or agnostic rose from 17% to 26% between the years of 2009 and 2019. So it's interesting from these just kind of generic statistics about the overall uh, general population is that the Christianity rates are decreasing and the rates for atheism and agnosticism is increasing. So I thought that was interesting and, and kind of sad too because I mean I know our world is getting further and further away from God as we become more progressive and there's new thoughts and ideas in the world but I think it's sad that not only did the Christianity go down but the uh, religion of you know atheism and agnosticism that actually went up and 
the next part of this Pew Research study actually looked at the different generational gaps. So the silent generation, which was those born between 1928 and 1945, and then it looked at the baby boomers, and then it looked at millennials. And the study concluded that more than 8 in 10 members of the silent generation described themselves as Christian. That's about 84%. And then 75% of the baby boomers described themselves as Christian as well. However, less than half of millennials, 49% of them, less than half described themselves as Christian. And over 40% said that they were uh, agnostic or atheist. So I think... That is also something to take in mind that the older generation, most of them, 84% and 75% when looking at the either silent generation or the baby boomers, would say that they believe in God, but less than half of millennials say they would either. Another statistic from the study that I thought was kind of interesting is that today there are roughly 23 million more adults in the world, or in the U.S., sorry, than there were in 2009. However, the number of religiously unaffiliated adults in the U.S. grew by almost 30 million over this period. So even though 23 million more adults were in the U.S., 30 more million people who say they weren't affiliated with religion at all actually grew. So I thought that was interesting too. So I think that the main point of all of these statistics, whether I shared it from Lifeway Research or the Pew Research Center, is that the statistics for Christianity are going down and the statistics in favor of atheism and agnosticism is going up and a lot of younger adults are actually choosing not to go to church, not to believe in God, and I think that's actually really sad. And it causes me to worry and fear because if these statistics went down this much in just 10 years since 2009, I guess now it's 11 years, but this study was written in 2019, but in the past 10, 11 years, it's changed so much. What's the next 10 and 11 years going to look like? It, it actually gets me quite worried and quite sad. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to make this podcast to talk about the three main reasons that I choose to believe in God, even though we live in a world that's unfair, that's cruel, that's confusing, that's overwhelming. I mean, I think it's almost easier to live a life where we don't have to think about pleasing God or honoring him. It's easier just to not really have a a huge you know conscience looming over us not just our own conscience but god looming over us saying okay this is right this is wrong it's easier just to do what we want but i think that it's actually harder to simply not believe in god because i'll go into this a little bit later but believing in god lets us realize that there is something else in control and there is something greater than us and that even if we mess up God's plan still will prevail. It's not just us in the world and no one else. There is a higher being and a higher power and he will take care of us. And I can't imagine going through life, all the hard parts of life, just on my own and, and not having a heavenly father I could pray to and talk to and understand that he loves me no matter what. And that actually leads me to the next statistical part of this podcast, uh, talking about how the depression rate and the mental illness rate among young adults has risen dramatically in the past 10 20 years it is crazy and i think it's truly honestly because we're choosing not to believe in god and we're trying to do this all on our own we weren't we weren't created to handle life on our own we were created to handle life with god right by our side helping us through it so the first statistic I want to talk about in regard to mental health is from the National Institute of Mental Health, and it reported that about 3.2 million 12 to 17-year-olds have had at least one major depressive episode within the past 12 months. 3.2 million. 
That is crazy. And then another study published this month in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology found that over the past decade, the number of youth with mental health disorders has more than doubled. For youth, major depression increased 52% from 2005 to 2017, from 8.7% to 13.2%, and it rose 63% in young adults ages 18 to 25 from 2009, which was 8.1% then, to, that, to 2017, which is 13.2%. So I know I just threw a lot of numbers at you, but I think it's crazy that just from 2005 to 2017, which is 12 years, which is about a decade, it rose by 52% for, for youth, just youth. And then young adults ages 18 to 25 in in, from 2009 to 2017, which is only eight years, it rose by 63%. And I can remember in 2009, I was nine years old. And now, you know, when I look at 2017, from 2009 to 2017, yeah, I grew up a lot, but that wasn't a long amount of time. But the depression rates among young adults grew by 63% in just eight years. That is crazy. And I know that anxiety is a, is a big issue in today's society. But I remember when I was, you know, 13, 14, I didn't really hear the word anxiety that often, but now I feel like everyone says, oh yeah, I have anxiety, or oh yeah, I, you know, I struggle with this, or I'm, I'm anxious, but I feel like everyone and their mother says they have anxiety, and I'm not trying to make fun of that, but I just, I could see that it has increased, because more people are talking about it, because more people have it, and I do, I do want to say that maybe more people are talking about it, because they feel comfortable talking about it, because everyone else is talking about it, so that may be another reason why it appears that it's increasing. But on the other hand, I do think that it actually is increasing whether people are talking about it or not. Like I do think more people have it. One of the reasons I know this is, um, you know, pretty common and everyone says this is social media and comparison. And we oftentimes see a lot of people just sharing the best parts of their life, which is great that they're doing that. But when we're having a bad day and we scroll through social media and we see everyone else having the best time, we really feel down on ourselves. And, and we're on social media all the time literally all the time. I read the statistic, um, the average 14-year-old girl spends eight hours on social media. That is crazy. That is a third of her day. If she's up at 7 a.m. and goes to bed at 11 a.m. or 11 p.m., most of that time, you know, 7 to 11, that's, if it's eight hours a day, that's eight hours on social media. And that is like, that's really, really sad. So I do think that a lot of anxiety and mental illness is built off the fact that we're comparing ourselves and that we don't think we're enough. However, the bigger part of that is we don't think we're enough, but we think that we need to be enough. And the biggest part of um, Christianity that helps me, especially with my perfectionism, is understanding that it is impossible for me to be enough. It's not a matter of I need to be enough or I'm expected to be enough or, oh, I can't be enough. It's No, it's it's impossible for me to be enough because I'm a fallen sinful human and I've missed the mark like everyone else out there. You see, if, if we all got to that mark and we were enough and we were perfect and we didn't have to compare ourselves because we're all just great, then Jesus wouldn't have had, had to come down to the earth to save us. I mean, if we were really that great, we wouldn't make mistakes. We wouldn't make bad decisions. We wouldn't be sinful and lustful and, um, you know, envious, rude, angry people. We wouldn't because we'd be great. But the fact of the matter is that we're not that way, that we all mess up. We can't control it because that's how we were created. But God created us to need a savior. He did. He created us to need a savior. 
because we mess up every day and we can't be in heaven because only perfection can be in heaven. But God wanted us so much and he loves us so much that he said, hey, I want you to be in heaven with me eternally. I want you to. I know you can't do it on your own. We spent all of the Old Testament for you to try to do it on your own with animal sacrifices and, you know, trying to live by all these old you know, this, these laws, but you failed the law. You could not live up to all these expectations, all these rules. So you know what? I'm going to put myself in human form. I'm going to come to the earth. I'm going to live a perfect life for you. I'm going to die for you so we can hang out in heaven for all of eternity. Okay. So what I tell myself is, Isabel, it is not possible for you to be enough, but just try to do your best and God, God will do the rest. And I think that if more people understand this, we could take less pressure off of ourselves and have less anxiety understanding that I don't need to seek the approval of others because God's approval is all that matters. And as long as I wake up every day saying to God, you know, I'm going to try to live for you as much as I can today, as much as I can. I know I'll mess up, but that's okay. I'll get back on the horse and I'll keep going. If we tell ourselves that every day, we take this pressure off of ourselves, I, I will tell you that your anxiety will lessen and it has lessened for me and I'm going to be sharing my kind of testimony and faith story in the rest of this episode sharing that yeah I was someone who I had anxiety when I was that young I didn't really call it anxiety because once again we didn't really call it anxiety we just you know we were just nervous and hormonal teenagers but by today's standards yes I had a lot of anxiety and it was it was really bad it was kind of debilitating like I couldn't just live a normal day and it was awful but after I realized that it's not what I could do, it's what God could do, and I, I can never do enough, so I should just stop trying to be perfect. Once I realized that and took that off my shoulders, I've never had one of those anxious, awful days again. And it's been, that was about 15, and now I'm 20, so five years, and I've gone through a lot of, you know, stressful college, and I still have felt pretty good. So I know that was kind of a ramble, but I'm going to go into the top three reasons that I still choose to believe in God even as a 20-year-old female in today's crazy society. So the first reason I choose to believe in God is kind of kind of a, not a funny reason, but I heard this when I was younger and I always, you know, think about this and it's I would rather live my whole life thinking that God is real rather than regret not believing in him when I die because I can't think of anything worse than I live my whole life I'm like yeah God's not real I don't care what I do I'm just gonna do whatever I want I, I I you know I hate God or I don't believe in God or whatever it is we just choose not to have a relationship with God and not to believe in God we live our whole lives like that and then we die and you know we see God we're thinking oh my gosh no like I, I wait I like missed out my whole life you know of just not wasting my life because people who don't believe in God, I mean, like, I think it's, it would be rude of me to say like, you wasted your life. Like, what did you do? Which I do think our purpose is to live for God. So if you choose not to live for God, you kind of waste your life. But anyway, I, if I, you know, didn't live for, if I didn't believe in God and anything, I'd go up to heaven thinking, oh my gosh, no, like, what? Like I had every opportunity to believe in God. People told me they, you know, they told me the basic aspects of Christianity. I had a lot of opportunities to go to church and learn about him. I had a lot of opportunities to just get to know him, but I didn't. And now I'm here and I can't relive my life. So I'd much rather go my whole life believing in God, living for him, loving him, and then dying and realizing that, wait, he's not real, rather than living my whole life not believing in God and realizing that he is real, which I know when I die, I will see God and he 100% is real. But just for the, the sake of this first reason, I just want to just paint a little picture. 
And kind of on the logical side of things, whenever I want to make a big decision about what I believe, I kind of think, okay, what will I gain from this and what will I possibly lose from this? You know, like how, how is it going to change my life and transform my life for the better or for the good? And I think about believing in God in, you know, a logical way. There is nothing we really lose from believing in God. And the reason I say this is because we are saved by grace. We are not saved by our works. We're saved by the grace that Jesus gave us when he died on the cross. And so some people think, oh, you know, if I become Christian, I will have to abide by all these rules and I can't have any fun and I can't do what I want. I just have to, you know, kind of be a puppet. And I understand that because a lot of, you know, times when people read the Bible, it's saying, do this, do this, don't do that. This is how you should live. And I think a lot of people kind of get confused with the fact that we The reason that Jesus came down to the world was because we couldn't meet the mark, was because we couldn't, we couldn't abide by the laws that were in the Old Testament. And so that's why in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, Jesus came down because nothing we could ever do was good enough. And so when it comes to works, the only reason we go to heaven isn't by what we've done because we failed at that. It's because of what Jesus did. So when I think of believing in God, really, I lose nothing. I really lose nothing because if I tell Jesus, okay, I love you. I want to live for you. I want to believe in you. I'm going to go to heaven. I, I literally gain it all. And if, in other words, I don't lose anything. And some people may think, well, you'll lose your freedom to do whatever you want. And my response to that is I would rather have eternal freedom and have contentment and rather than just, you know, do whatever I want, sin a bunch, do stuff that I know God wouldn't want me to do. To me, giving up those, you know, desires that aren't clean, that aren't pure, that may be fun, but they're not the best. I'd rather give those up and live for a higher purpose and live with a purpose and have contentment here on earth and then also have eternal life in heaven. Like I'd rather give up these little things for something huge. And so on the logical big scheme of things, I lose nothing. Yeah, maybe I lose, you know, doing all these crazy things that no God wouldn't be happy with. But then I look at my life and I'm like, I'd much rather have contentment and peace rather than do all these bad things. You know what I mean? I'd rather live and have the eternal gifts rather than the temporary pleasures. So that is the first reason I choose to believe in God because there's nothing you could lose. Really, there isn't. And I challenge you, if if you're kind of struggling with thinking, okay, I want to believe in God. I want this higher purpose in my life, but I don't want to give up the the quote-unquote fun part of my life. If you're that person, I challenge you. For 30 days, try to live by what you know that God wants you to do. So if you're drinking, if you're partying, partying, if you're having a lot of sex, if you're not really working hard in life and you're just kind of scraping by and you know that what you're watching and what you're doing isn't really the best and you know that deep down in your heart, for 30 days, stop that. Or maybe you start off with a week. Stop doing those things. And when you wake up in the morning, say, okay, God, I don't know everything about you but I'm going to try to make decisions that I know that you would approve of. So do that for a week or a month. And then after that, reflect on your week or your month and ask yourself, how do I feel? How do I feel? Do I feel better? Do I feel worse? Do I feel deprived? And if I'm feeling deprived, is it a bad deprived or is it kind of like a good self-discipline deprived? Like ask yourself these questions. And I'm, I mean, I don't know specifically who you are who's listening to this but I almost 100% guarantee you that you will feel so much better living this way rather than living the way you want to live you know rather than falling to sin and different things and instead living for God 
And I don't want to say, you know, 100% because after the first week or month, you still may have troubles. But I know that at the grand scheme of things throughout your life, you will not regret making a decision to live a better life, to have self-discipline, to live for God, to do the right thing because we were created to do the right thing. In the garden with Adam and Eve, we were created to not sin. You know, like we were created to look over the garden, live this great life. But because Eve chose to sin and so did Adam, that's why life is kind of messed up. And we have all these temptations because we were created to live for God. We really were. We were literally created to live in the Garden of Eden. I mean, I don't know God's full plan after the Garden of Eden, but we were created to live for him. And so that's why when we do live for him and we do stay away from these sinful things and we do stay away from, you know, the not so good decisions, we feel peace. And every time I make a decision that I know God does not want me to make, I do not feel good. Okay, maybe for a moment I feel like, you know, happy or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, in, but in the grand scheme of things, I literally f- do not have peace in my heart. And that's because we're doing stuff that we weren't created to do. So I'm going to stop talking about this topic because I feel like I'm rambling, but I just want to share that and encourage you to just try it out for a few days, a week, a month, and ask yourself how you feel. And I assure you, you're going to feel great. And you'll realize that, hey, it's worth it to live for God because I feel so good. I know I will have eternal life. And on the final note, though, before I go to the next thing, whether you whether you sin or not or, or fall short or not, Jesus already paid the price for you. So as long as you believe in him and do your best, you you will go to heaven. So if you have a relationship with God, you're thinking, okay, I keep falling to the same sin. I don't know what's wrong with me. Know that it's not what you do. It's what Jesus has already done. And as long as you, you do your best each day to stay away from sin and live for him, that's all you could do. And you should stop putting the pressure on your shoulders and realize that Jesus already put the pressure on his shoulders for you. So transitioning now to the second reason I choose to believe in God is that God is my lifeline through the good things and the bad things. And I kind of now want to go into my uh, testimony all about, you know, what I've been through in life and, you know, my walk with anxiety, if we want to call it that. So um, it kind of started when I was about nine years old. And I just, I've always been kind of a worry wart, as my parents call me. I just, I get stressed about things and I just kind of, if something bad happens, I think about it over and over again, and I'm a really big overthinker, and I get really indecisive on big life decisions just because I worry a lot, and that is probably the biggest struggle in my faith journey because I tell myself, okay, if I really am saying I live for God and I'm depending on Him, I shouldn't worry as much. Like, I'm, if I'm really trusting Him with my life, then there's no reason I should be this, like, stressed out. And so even as a nine-year-old, I, I knew that. Like, you know, I love God, I believe in Him, but why am I so worried? And I just had, you know, just weird, like, thoughts and worries that came in my head. I think it was kind of OCD, you know, just for any of you guys that have OCD or have experienced someone with OCD, you know that they're just random little thoughts but the people who have them just stress about them and overanalyze them and they can't sleep, they can't eat. They're so just obsessed about these random things. And that's how I was from the age of 9 to 10. And that year of my life was just so hard because I could never rest my brain. I could never stop thinking about all these things. And it was it was very weird and I hated it. Like it was an awful year. And that is kind of when I guess my, you know, my journey with kind of being obsessive and perfectionism honestly perfectionism really started and I think it was just a phase in life like I think every you know child goes through a weird phase they remember in their life and for me the age of nine to ten was that weird phase and then when I like hit like ten and a half I kind of just stopped worrying about things and it was great and from like ten and a half to 
to like 13 and a half, 14. It was wonderful. Like I didn't even ever stress and I felt like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm healed. I won't have to ever go through that weird thing again, that OCD. And then when I was 14 years old, I started feeling really self-conscious about myself and, um, you know, as a, as a girl looks matter a lot to ourselves. Like I know some girls don't really care about their looks and they, you know, they don't let that define them. But for a lot of us, how we look really defines that. And that is another thing that I struggle with kind of through my relationship with God, um, other than perfectionism on the inside and how much I could do in the day and, and how much I could accomplish. A lot of it is, you know, how much I look on the outside and how healthy I am and all these things. And, you know, the road of perfectionism can be really hard in that. So that's something else I struggle with. But when I was 14, it was like really bad. Like I literally defied myself on, on how I looked. And I think a lot of girls struggle with that. When I was 14, that happened. And it just so happened at 14 that I was, uh, covered with acne all over my face I had braces and I was severely underweight so there was a couple times where some kids would say like oh you're so skinny you like it's actually disgusting how skinny you are or sometimes people would comment on my acne and I would just look at pictures of myself and I just looked so awkward and like Ugh, you know and I'm, and I'm not saying like that's a bad thing and like if you're listening to this and you have acne and braces and you're really skinny like I'm not saying you're not beautiful but I'm just saying from my point of view when I looked at myself I was like oh my gosh like Ugh, you know what I mean and then uh, you know it's you know 14 years old is the age where you really kind of start caring how you look and then you realize that you know maybe at this point in life you're, you're not looking so good because as a teenager we all go through that and so I kind of just was really self-conscious about that and then all of a sudden one day those OCD worries came back and now that I was older and I had like more responsibilities like I had to do school and I was in all these extracurricular events um, and I just had more things to do I realized like how much this OCD took over my life and kept me from um, you know, really living well, because not only did I have all these things I was doing, you know, a lot of school, a lot of extracurricular activities, trying to stay on top of that with friends, family, everything. And then I had these OCD worries that literally took over my brain. It was so, so hard. And from the age of 14 to 15, once again, about a year, year and a half, the hardest time in my life, for sure, as far as the teenage years goes so far. And I know that some people listening to this may think like, okay, like you haven't really had it that hard because you've never had a traumatic experience. You've never had a really bad experience. You've always been really lucky. And I would agree, I have been really lucky and I haven't had any like trauma. All this stuff has just been in my head. Um, and I'm thankful I haven't had any trauma. But that's the thing that scared me when I had these like weird OCD thoughts and worries was literally, Isabel, your life is great. Like there's no reason you should feel this way. There is none at all. Like there is, there's no reason you should feel this way because your life is great. And it's that very thought that actually made it worse because the fact that I couldn't justify how I was feeling made me feel like I was feeling this way, you know, just because I was being selfish and I, you know, was just choosing to feel bad. And then when I told myself to stop thinking about these things and stop having these thoughts and just stop obsessing about, you know, lifeless, awful things and you just stop obsessing about things that didn't even matter, it made me stress about it more. So I finally realized, it hit me, I went to this church camp and it was this winter camp with my friends and that was like when my worries were the worst. I had a lot of like lack of self-confidence and I just really didn't like myself at all and I was just like kind of done with life. Like, I mean, I wasn't like, I don't know, some, some people would say like that's suicidal but like I was honestly kind of like just done with it and I just didn't see any purpose or point and it was just really hard because waking up like that, I'm sure a lot, everyone goes through that where you just wake up, they're like, oh, 
why am I even here? Like, I don't like who I am. I, you know, my worries are taking over my life. Like, I don't even want to wake up in the morning. So I was kind of at that point, and it was just really hard. I didn't tell any, any of my friends, like, at all. Like, none of my friends knew because I didn't want to tell anyone. And it was just really hard. And I went to this church camp. And the, the uh, pastor said, okay, everyone stand up and think about one thing you'd want to change about yourself and tell it to the person next to you. Now, and now I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so embarrassing. Like, why would he have us tell the person next to us? That's like kind of funny. Like, we tell the person next to us our biggest insecurity. But anyway, I immediately thought of like five or six things. So I turned to my friend. And I said, hey, like I changed this, 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 this. I was like, this isn't good enough. I changed that. I don't like that. Like, I literally described like my whole self. And I, now I look back, I'm like, oh, that's so sad. But I asked her what she would change about herself. And she said, nothing and I look at this like 13 14 year old girl I thought oh my gosh how could she say nothing like there has to be something and then it hit me like literally um God literally like hit me in the face and I realized like hold up I don't need to change anything about myself because this is all I get like this life is literally the only life I have so why am I wasting it on worrying about myself I should be living my life to help serve other people and bring glory to God. Like I literally should use my life for a purpose because if I always am stressing about myself, I'm mad at myself, I hate myself, like what am I doing in life? When I die, I won't leave any good memories. I won't leave a legacy. And you know, even more than that, I wouldn't have helped anyone else. I wouldn't have influenced someone else's life and impacted them. And I realized that instead of focusing on myself, I actually need to start focusing on using my gifts to help other people and bring impact and value to the world. And after that camp, I still struggle with stuff, but I finally told myself that <laughs> I was going to distract myself with, with helping others and with being busy with building up who I want to be. So for about five months, I hung out with friends a lot and just kind of helped them and try to be a positive person. I, you know, try to help my mom around the house more and be kind to my brother, my mom and dad. And then I also volunteered at church. And even though my worries weren't fully gone they were getting better and then that summer I went to another church camp because I just went to a lot of church camps growing up because I love that stuff and it's just wonderful and it was my favorite camp ever um so good and I I went to this service on the last night and they had this mime worship service where Jesus was dressed up as a mime it, well, it wasn't obviously Jesus that would be pretty cool but it was one of the counselors who was pretending to be Jesus and Jesus was a mime. I know that sounds weird. So Jesus didn't talk. We'll just say that. And so the way he showed us kind of his whole life story of salvation was through like they gave us nails and that represented like everyone got a nail and that represented that Jesus was nailed to the cross. And I still have my nail to this day. So that's pretty cool. And then when Jesus died on the cross, everyone, they, or the clown, the mime clown counselors, whatever you want to call them, they would come around and they'd paint a red heart on our cheeks to represent that Jesus died for us because he loves us and then when Jesus you know was resurrected and went back to heaven and you know died and, and rose again he rose up to heaven and now is living with God when that happened they the clowns the mime counselors they threw balloons all over the room and every balloon had a word written on them it was you know what Jesus gives us because he died for us and some people got joy some people people got love some people got contentment and the balloon that fell in my lap said life and I was and it just kind of hit me once again God like hit me in the face at one of those church camp services and I told myself oh my gosh like Jesus died to give me life 
Jesus died to give me a life that's worth living. Jesus died to give me a life that matters, and he died to give me a life that had purpose. And he died to give me a life that I actually love. He died to give me my life that I should love. And I realized that I should stop. I should just stop hating myself, and I should stop being so OCD, and I should start living now. Because Jesus died on the cross so that I could live life, and I only get one life. I only get one life and I should make it good because Jesus died so I could have this life. And the second that hit me, literally everything changed. And I felt my OCD worries just go away and all my nervousness and my self-hatred. And literally when I left that room, it was gone. And then I realized that my life is worth so much more than myself. And when I think of myself, it's actually worth what God thinks of me. And that's why I have worth. And I know I'm kind of on a tangent now, but I want to go back once again and repeat. The second reason I choose to believe in God is that God is my lifeline through the good and the bad. He brought me out of the hole of despair that I created for myself. He brought me out of just hating myself and hating my life to realizing that it's not about me it's actually living for god galatians 2 20 says i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but christ who lives in me and the life i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me and when i went to that camp i walked through those doors i was living my life that i hated and i walked out of those doors saying that I was crucified on that cross with Jesus. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And since that day, I have not turned back. And I think that's one of the things we worry about is as people who've had like OCD and, and those really just scary kind of like weird worries. Like I always told myself like, what if I go back? Like what, like I went back I, nine and 10 years old, had it. I was fine for a few years. Then I, I went back to it. Like what if I go back? And it's been five years and I haven't gone back, you know, and I'm so thankful for that. And I truly believe honestly that Jesus gives me purpose. And I tell myself, I need to live for God and make a mark on this world and I need to help other people come closer to God because there are so many people out there struggling with OCD and anxiety and nervousness and they are in the same boat I was in and they they don't know God. Like they know who he is like I did, but they don't feel his his love and his life in their hearts just like I was and so I tell myself I don't want anyone else to feel like I felt so that is why I want to live for God with purpose I don't want to relapse into those thoughts I want to continue to keep on going and going and going so I can help bring other people like that out of those dark places like that's literally the reason I believe that keeps me going because Jesus gives me purpose and John 13 34 through 35 says a new commandment I give you love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another so those camp counselors like they really just showed me through that whole like skit scene thing that church service that you know how much jesus loves me and how much he died for me and they were loving us and they were they were showing us god's love and i want to just continue to keep that cycle going i want to be the person that shows love to people so they think wow like I want to believe in God too and I don't want to keep on having these worries and maybe some people you know they aren't struggling with worries they're struggling with jealousy or anger or maybe they have had a really traumatic experience and what I really believe is every Christian has gone through something and they were able to ask God for help and he pulled them out of those hard times and so everyone has a story so you could reach people who have gone through the same things that you have gone through and you could say hey I was able to get through with Jesus's help and I know you can too. And so that is one of the biggest reasons I believe in God, because he is my lifeline. And this now leads me to the third reason I believe in God, is that he makes my life 
mean something. Now, I know this is probably going to sound, I don't, I don't want to sound condemning or rude, but I'm just going to say it and then I'm going to explain myself. A life without God has no direction. And the reason I say this is that someone listening to this who doesn't believe in God would say, yeah, my life has direction. Like, yeah, I'm living on purpose. And while I do agree that we may have like a temporary purpose, like I really want to live a good life. I want to have a good job. I want to get married, have kids, just live a great solid life. Like I'd say someone who's Christian or atheist would say that. And you know, that's fine. That's great. But that's uh, I think uh, more of a temporary purpose. And I know over the time of life, like temporary, I'm going to live a hundred years. That's not temporary. But if we look at hundred years versus eternity, 100 years is temporary. And I think that there are so many ups and downs in life that when we say, yeah, I have direction, yeah, I have a purpose, when we are faced with those ups and downs of life that are like really, really hard, I feel like our purpose goes out the window and our direction goes out the window. And all these hard things that we have to handle in life, they could overtake the good intentions and the purpose and the direction that we have. And we don't have enough strength to do it on our own. And I think that's why it the depression rates and anxiety rates are so high the suicide rates are really high and we look at the rates that we looked at about the rate of the popularity of christianity and those are decreasing but the rate for mental illness and anxiety that's increasing okay there it's a it's an inverse relationship one goes up one goes down you know and i think it's just so sad because the less we choose to believe in God, the more directionless our life is. Because if we, if we live for, you know, the moment, we're living, you know, just with our, our lifelong plan, we have it going, and then something hits us and turns our plan around, where is our direction? We don't, we don't have any. But I do think that if we lean on God and know that His ways are higher than our ways, when our plan gets messed up, when our directions have to change, we could trust God in knowing that He has a plan for us, that He knows it all, He sees it all, He hears it all, and He has promises for us. Promises that we can't give ourselves because we don't know everything, because we're not, you know, we, we literally don't know everything, but God knows everything. We can't do it and God can. So... God really gives me meaning because when I can't figure it out and life throws things at me that I wasn't expecting and I feel sad and just I can't, I can't do it, I know that God's there for me and that's what helps keep me going. So that is the third reason I truly believe in God because he gives me direction and he gives me purpose and he gives me a higher purpose to live. It's not just for myself. It's not just for you know my immediate family. It is to spread the gospel to the world and to glorify God and treat everyone everyone with love and kindness. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect at that because I'm not at all. Like we all mess up, but he really does give us purpose. That is our biggest purpose, to use our gifts and skills that God has given us to serve others and to bring God into the world. Really, that is our purpose. And if I didn't believe in God, I wouldn't have that purpose. And I literally thought to myself like yesterday, like if I didn't believe in God, like what would, what would get me up in the morning? Like really what would because everything in my life revolves around God. And then I think, you know, the reason that so many people in the world I think are rude and mean and just are worried and anxious isn't necessarily because their circumstances are bad. Some people may have bad circumstances. Some people may have good circumstances. But I think the true reason is because if we don't believe in God, we're just leaning on ourselves. But when we let, let ourselves down and when we know we can't do it enough, that's when we start having bad attitudes and that's when we start feeling purposeless. So I just tell myself, I'm like, um, thank goodness I believe in God because there's a lot of days where I can't do it on my own and thank goodness I have God because he makes my life so much better. And there's another Bible verse from Galatians and it states, um, it's from five, chapter 5, verses 13 through 14. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, 
but through love and service to one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And really, we shouldn't use our freedom in life just to live for ourselves and to do what we want. We really should live with the purpose that God gave us to love others. And that's that's the final reason I do believe in God. I mean, it's not the final, sorry. It's the last reason listed in this episode that I believe in God because he gives my life meaning. He gives me strength to know that even there's even though there's bad days and there's days I don't believe in myself, I know I'm here for a purpose and on purpose and that's what gets me going through the day. And I just want to kind of end this episode on this idea for us to think about and it's we shouldn't just believe in god to gain something we should believe in god to live for something for me and in my faith story i finally realized that like growing up like i always have believed in god like there's never been a point in my life where i'm like yeah i don't think god's real but it was always to to go to heaven like that's like oh i need to believe in god so that when i die like it won't just be black and scary like i'll have a home what like that's the reason I believed in God for so long and then it hit me when I started going through those struggles and I started growing up and meeting all these experiences and I realized like it's not just about me because when I make it about me I'm not okay I need to make it about God I can't handle this on my own so I'm going to ask God for help and it's when I shifted my perspective that believing in God meant I get to live for something and I have a responsibility to love other people that's when I realized my life matters and that's when I realized that I should love the life that I have and that I should focus on loving others and loving God. So I I hope this episode helped you. I know it was pretty long, but I, I do really pray that it helped you and that if you're struggling with your faith or you're struggling with, you know, someone you know and they don't they don't have faith right now or they're kind of not sure what to do, I just want to offer this as an encouragement to know that God really does give us purpose and life with him is so much better than life without him. And I know this from personal experience. Being in love with God is so much better than just kind of having him on the side. Let me just say that. So, girl, God's got you if you're going through hard times. And and even if you're kind of going through those times where you have like OCD or you're anxious and you just you don't know what's wrong with you, just know that if you take the focus off yourself and do things for others, it will get better. I swear it will. God will heal you. He will heal your heart, your soul, your mind, and he's there for you. So I I hope this episode helped you and I look forward to talking to you in the next episode. Okay, have a great day, great night. It's currently 1.15 a.m. So I'm going to go to bed. All right, thank you guys.